So we're in a series um, right now um, that we're calling Great Big God. We took last week and we're taking this week and we're going to take next week to, to prepare our hearts for, for the 30 days of, of prayer and in fasting for the, sick, for the sake of the city and those who don't yet know Jesus. And so last week, if you were with us, we watched this, this video teaching from this man in West Africa. And, and he was just testifying and tell, telling story after story about the things that God had done in his church and through the churches in West Africa, through prayer and in through fasting. And, and the hope last week was that, that we were inspired, that, that we got a glimpse of what is possible when God's people start taking very seriously the mission that God has put in front of us. And so last week that, that we were trying to be stretched and to inspire. And this morning, I want to just fix our eyes on one passage of scripture. And I love this, this one verse. And I hope that we memorize it. I hope that we cling to it. I hope that, you know, 30 years from now, we're still thinking about this one passage of scripture. I remember being at church camp as a kid and hearing this verse. And I, and I go, man, there's something about the power of God in this verse that just sticks with us. And, and, I, and I hope that it sticks with us. But more than that, I hope that we obey it. I hope that we are people that actually live into this scripture. And so this is what 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I remember walking with a couple one time and they had let their marriage go. There was no intimacy, um, there was no friendship, there was no sacrifice, no giving, there was no love, there was no building the other up, it was all tearing the other down. And they came to this moment where they realized, hey, something has got to change. Like either we're just going to be done, we're gonna, we're gonna call it quits, and we're gonna live with the consequences, or we're gonna have to make some changes. And I remember they came to this crossroads moment. They had to make a choice. And they decided, hey, we're, we're not ready to let go of everything that we have. We're not ready to, to, to let go of all that we've built, all that we've done, all that we've been through. Let's make some changes. Let's not call it quits. Let's not throw in the towel. Man, let's, let's do the hard work. Let's work on, on restoring what has been lost. And it's so cool watching them re-engage with each other. Going on dates, spending time together, enjoying each other, laughing, love starting to grow again. And I was thinking about that, that relationship that I got to, to witness and what I saw in, in, in that relationship, in that moment, was the drive that is in the human spirit, that is in each of us, when we realize that we are not where we want to be. 
It is amazing what we are capable of doing when we feel driven towards something, when we're not happy where we are. We will sacrifice sleep and energy and time and money and our selfish desires. We will lay whatever it takes. If we look at our lives and we go, man, we're not where we wanna be, but I see where I wanna be and that's where I'm going. We are a group of people filled with the spirit of God that are capable of so much. I've seen it in so many of you. You know, you're, you're chasing, you're, you're, you're in this job and you go, man, I don't want what I'm doing right now to be what I'm doing the rest of my life. And so you, you see this new possibility. And so you're, you're still working your old job, but you're going back and you're taking classes at night and you're leading a house church and you have no money in the bank and you have no sleep in the tank and, and you're exhausted, but you're driven because you see what is possible. What I love about this passage of scripture is that God comes to his people and he says, hey, there, there might be a day where you wake up and you realize that you are not where you want to be with me. And I don't want to invite you to raise your hand, but I want you to think about it. You know, like raise your hand in your head if that's possible, right? If, if that's you. you. You wake up and you go, man, I'm not where I want to be with God. God is talking to this man named Solomon. And God says to Solomon, hey, right now, you're in a very good place with me. And so are the people that, that are around you. But if you wake up one morning and you look at your life and you realize, man, I don't love you like I used to love you. Man, that my heart burned for you when I was 13 and 14. Or my heart burned for you when I was in college. But, but I look at my life now and, and my better days with you are so far behind me. It feels like I'm a different person. Or he says to Solomon, if, if you look at your life and you realize that you don't even know me anymore, you don't know my voice, you don't know my heart, you don't know my love. What I love is that God says this. He says, if you wake up and you realize one day, this is a verse that's right before this. If you wake up one day and you realize that you're not where you wanna be with me, here's what you do. How incredible is God? I mean, think about that. Think about how kind and gracious God is that, that we can't see God, right? Like maybe some of you can come and tell me, I wanna know the secret. Like I, I can't see God. I know God is there. He says, if, if you wanna be right with me, this is what you do. If you want to be consumed with me, if you want your heart to, to be for me, if you want that love rekindled that you, that you once have, here is the secret. And it's like a prescription. You know, the way a prescription works is, is you go to a doctor. If there's something wrong with you, they'll, they'll hopefully write you a note and, and you'll take it to the, the pharmacist and they'll fill it. And, and you take it home, you take the medicine and then you get better. Right? That's the way that it works. But what happens if you go to the doctor and you just figure out that something's wrong and, and he writes you this note and you never do anything with it? Right? It's intended that, that, that you would take these words to heart if you come here this morning. Like, we're not playing some game. If you come here and, and you're not where you want to be, God knows that. Do you think it's a coincidence that we're talking about this morning? No. 
God says, do what I say. Live into this, these words. And this is what he says. If my people who are called by my name. And I want to be clear, he's, he's talking to God's people here. He's not talking to everyone. He's talking to Christians. He's not talking to people who don't believe, who haven't submitted their lives to, to the lordship of Jesus. He's talking to those who, like Peter in John chapter six, like you've spent your, your life chasing things and you realize that, that the, 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 the very best version of yourself is when you're passionately following Jesus. And, and, and you realize that, 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 that nothing matters like living like Jesus and for Jesus in this world. So this is what, what, G, what Peter says to Jesus in John chapter six. He says, where else should we turn? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe, we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And that is those of us who are followers of Jesus. We go, man, who else are we gonna turn to? We might not be in a great place with God right now, but we have tasted, we have seen, we've experienced the goodness of God. We know here and we know here that God is real. We know our history. We know what we have with God. It can't be taken away from us. And he's talking to you. If my people who are called by my name Think about the, the, the way that names work. You know, you get a name because you're born into a family, right? You get a last name that way. Your parents select a first name for you. You get a name when you get married. You get a, you get a new name, sometimes a better name, sometimes a lot worse last name, right? And you go, how do you, how do you get God's name? How do you become under his, like, how do you become a part of his family? Do you have to be born into it? Like, did I have to grow up in church? Do I have to to memorize the Bible? Do I have to know how to pray? No, the way that you become a part of, of God's family, the way that you bear his name is by believing in Jesus, submitting your life to him in baptism and walking in obedience. That's how you get God's name. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, what does that mean? To humble ourselves before God? Andrew said something this week that really stuck with me. I think that there are a couple of different ways to think about humility in this context. There's probably a whole lot more. But one of the things that he said is, man, when I think of what the type of humility he's talking about, you know, when, when I humble myself, it's, it's a posture of needing help. Right, you, you, You're humble when you have to, to go to somebody and say, hey, I can't figure this out. There's a problem, there's an issue, and I can't do it by myself. There's a level of humility. There's a level of pride that goes out the door and humility that comes in when I look at Zach and I say, Zach, I just don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? It's a humble place to be. How many of us, man, will, will go through a day or a week or a month And if we're honest, we don't really need God. At least that's what we think. Man, we can handle our test. We can handle parenting. We can handle our job. We can handle our finances. We can handle our problems. And and, and what what, what I'm saying here is, is how often when these things, when they come our way, do we get on our knees and go, God, we just need you.
I need you to help me with this calculus test. God, I need you. I'm having issues with my roommate and I don't want to be a jerk and I need you. Like how often do we, do we turn to God in humility and say, God, I need you. I think another way of thinking about humility is, is this idea of coming to grips with, with who we actually are before almighty God. Christians, man, we can, we can think too little of ourselves and then we can also think too much of ourselves, right? It's so easy when, when we're walking with God. You know, some of you, it's January 13th. You've read the Bible every day this year and you walk in here this morning and you're like, I hope someone asked me. <laughs> I hope we talk about it in house church this week. Like, you know that feeling when you've just been walking with God and, 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 and we can be overly like prideful and then we can also come in this place where, where we're like, man, can't believe I fell into that temptation again. I can't believe I'm, I'm here again this morning. I never thought I'd be back in this place. And humility is, is just seeing ourselves correctly in God's eyes. It's the reality that, that we're not people that have it all figured out. Humility is described like this by Jesus in Luke chapter 18. He says that, that there was a man and he, and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I go, if, if you come here this morning and that's your posture, this is what Jesus says about you. I tell you, that person went home justified before God. For whoever humbles himself, that person will be exalted. See, the type of humility that I believe he's talking about here is, is when you and I have missed it, when we've messed up. It's humbling ourselves before God. It's being bothered by our sin. It's being bothered by, by the fact that, man, we, we look at our life in the past six months, we've been really careless about our relationship with God. And if, and if God was like a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, they would have left us long ago. Some of us come here this morning and, 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 and we've been ashamed of Jesus. Like people at work are talking about Jesus and you're like, man, I, I don't wanna be that person that's just overly just, you know, whatever. And so you say nothing. And I think what he's getting at here is if my people who are called my name will humble themselves, if, if you'll just realize that you need me, if you just realize that, 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 that I am the one that you can come to and fall on your knees and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry that I've, I've wasted the past six months of my life. I'm sorry that I keep falling into this sin, this struggle. God, I'm sorry. This heartfelt sorry is the humility that God is looking for. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And it's not just being sorry. What does he say? He says, if you'll pray, if you'll seek my face. You know, praying is, is just re-engaging with God. The most basic level, just like talking to God is a, is a part of the path of what it means to, to in this life, live with God, that, that you talk to God and you hear from God. That's what he's saying. He says, my people will just start talking to me once again. If we'll find ourselves talking to him, asking him for help, giving him thanks, 
Telling them what we love about them. Telling them what we need. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. That sounds really good, you know. Yeah, let's seek God's face. But who actually knows how to do that? You know, we all know what it looks like to, to seek the face of someone that we want to see. I remember our offices used to be at the cannery. And um, I remember one particular day we were um, leaving the office and there was a line of teenage girls and young adult girls. And some of you might have been there. I'm not judging you, just commenting. And Jesse McCartney was up at um, the cannery that day. And, and it, before the show, there was like this VIP showing. And, and so all these girls are waiting just to, to see him face to face. It doesn't matter how cold it was. If there was a tornado, you were not gonna pull those girls away from seeing him, right? And, and, and we all like have these moments where we, we know what it's like to seek something. To seek a girl's attention that you like, to seek a boy's attention. And to seek the, the presence of your bosses. Like they, they walk in the office and, and you just want to get FaceTime with them or, or, or your house church leader, whoever. We know what it looks like to, to lay everything else aside and to, to let all of our attention be on one thing, seeing someone face to face. And I go, well, but how do we do that with God? How do we seek God's face? I think we do this on Sundays, like right here, what we're doing right now, worshiping. So when we're engaged in worship, when we're singing, and to, to set your mind on Christ and on nothing else. You're like, yeah, Randa, but, but how do I do that? Like, I don't even know what to begin to think about. Like, what, what, what do I set my mind to? Man, think about a good place. Think about Jesus on the cross where a real man's arms were really stretched out and, 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 and he hung there for hours. Just think about what that would be like, how hard it would be to breathe. Think about the blood that, that came as the crown of thorns pressed down on his head. Think about the man who stayed up there and who, ushered these, who uttered these words, Father, forgive them. I don't know what they're doing. When you're worshiping Jesus, man, don't be thinking about the, the hamburger you're gonna eat after lunch and don't be thinking about the sin from last night. Let your mind be completely set on seeking the face of Christ. Think about him in heaven waiting for you. That he's interceding for you. That he's the Father's right hand. You know, he's, I don't know what that exchange looks like, but he's like, talking to the father and he's like father Cody he needs us right now that a client didn't pay and he needs us right now he needs us to to, to come alongside of him and to, to keep his anger at bay and Jonathan God, he needs us right now and Jenna she, she needs us right now the, 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 the person of Jesus at the Father's right hand and he's interceding for us. Think about that when you come into this place. Don't think about the terrible person that you were and all the things that are wrong. Set your mind on the face of Christ. But it's not just here on Sundays. How do we seek his face? Like, more than just an hour on Sunday mornings.
when you get the, all your responsibilities done at the end of the day. Emails answered, work's done, dishes are put away, right? Because you're trying to be a considerate roommate. Seek his face. Seek his face. Pray, read the scriptures. Get lost in worship. I, I think seeking his face is a little bit easier than we make it out to be. says, and turn from their wicked ways. My people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You know, some of us come here this morning and, and man, you're just wrestling with some really wicked stuff and you know it and you're not okay with it and, and listen to the Lord's words. He just says, hey, just turn from it. Lay it down and turn from it. And others of you, maybe you're in a good place right now that, that there's not a lot of just wicked things that are gripping your heart and your eyes and your mind, but, but you know because you're a human being and you look at your past and you go, man, it's, there's gonna be a day where, where I'm gonna be tempted, right? That, that there are gonna be things that I do that are wicked. And he says, in that moment, turn. Just turn. And then I love this. This is, this is a linchpin. This is where it happens. And so up until this point, man, if we, we know all this knowledge, we have the prescription if we're actually willing to, to take it and to obey it, to humble ourselves before Almighty God and to pray and to seek his face and to turn from our wicked ways. This is what he promises. Then I will hear their prayers. Then I will forgive their sin. Then I will heal their land. You know, I've seen this on a, on a micro level to be true over and over again. This is my story. This is so many of your stories. You're chasing the things of the world and, and you realize, man, that, that you need the forgiveness of God. And so you turn to God and, and you discover, man, that he really does forgive you and he really does love you and he really is real. And, 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 and so you've experienced this, that, that, that you were living life away from God and you humbled and you prayed and you sought and you've forsaken and, and you've tasted the forgiveness of God. And God has your ear and, and, and you have God's ear. And you're experiencing healing. You're experiencing breakthrough that, 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 that struggles for a long time in your life are now falling off. And you're going, how is this possible? I tried for years to break this habit, to break this addiction. And, and you look at your life and, and it's because God's a, a truth teller. And I've seen this over and over again as on a micro level, but I've not seen this on a macro level. I've read about it. I know that it's happened where churches, where cities, where countries come back to God and the presence of God descends in a powerful way. I've been reading about revivals the past couple of weeks. Got this really, this really good book over Christmas I've been reading. And I've been surprised it, it, it traces different revivals through just the history of, of, of mankind. And, and I've been surprised. I thought when I sat down to read it, what I was gonna discover is that, oh, a revival is when, man, just lots and lots of lost people come back to God. I thought that's what I was just gonna read, like open the book and, oh, this happened in New Orleans and this happened in England and this happened in you know, Australia. And, and, and the reality is I was really surprised as I started reading these books about revival because you, you know what I discovered? 
is that what happened in revival is the people of God just got serious about God. Right, that's what revival is. This is what Dev was talking to me about on Thursday. That's what revival is, when, when God's people just get serious about God. I'm reading these stories and I'm going, it's, it's nothing like out of the box. It's, it's things that God has said here that, that I was reading about revivals and, and what happens is that people would just start confessing sin. Right, like we know that, that sin, man, it, it drives us from God, it, it, it drives us down, it makes us feel worthless. And he says, if you just confess, if you just bring it into the light, healing will come, and that's true. And what happened so often in, over the course of human history when, when, when God's people started getting serious about God is they just brought their sin into the light. And it doesn't mean that you have to come up here and stand beside me on Sunday morning and confess to everyone in this room. But, but I think about having lunch with a friend and he started confessing sin. He'd never confessed sin before in his life. And I'm like, how does that feel? He's like, it feels great. I'm like, Yeah. I think it's God's people just, just bringing their, their sin into the light. It's people worshiping God. Man, we, we know how to worship things. Our favorite bands, our favorite movies, our favorite celebrities, our favorite whatever. We know how to worship We know how to sacrifice for worship, right? And this isn't like me trying to be overly harsh. It's just a true statement. Like you get a concert, you get tickets to a concert to your favorite bands coming in town. I don't care if there are 14 inches of snow on the ground, right? You're gonna get there. And if you have reservations at your favorite restaurant, your mom and dad come in town and they take you to a really good place in Nashville, you don't care how long the wait is, right? And yet I think about when it comes to worshiping God. Man, we're like, man, I got somewhere to be. And I'm, and I'm there too. This is not like me going, hey, figure it out. It's going, man, what, what is wrong with us? Over Christmas break, I smoked my very first Boston butt. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's pulled pork. <laughs> and it took me 18 hours took me 18 hours. I was up at 2.30 in the morning. I was the most angry you've ever seen me. <laughs> and I learned a lot about myself. I learned I will stay up for something that I'm invested in. But do you know how hard it is like, for me to stay up late into the night to pray? Or I remember last year we did a 24-hour prayer like, vigil and I'm like, man, God, I'll give you 9 to 10 p.m., I'll even give you from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., but those morning hours, I gotta sleep. We were made to worship God, and I think what, what, what starts to happen if, if when we get serious is that we come into this place, and Dale and, and the band, they try to get off the stage. We're like, you get back up there. We're not done worshiping. And I think it's, it's a posture where, we, where we, nothing keeps us from this place. 
where we're sick and we're like, I don't care. I'm going to stand in the back. I won't touch anyone. You wear a mask, right? It's like we just get serious about, about coming into the presence of God with God's people. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be harsh on us. I'm just going, man, do we, do we see what is possible? We are made to be a worshiping people. And I think this starts to be true. I think that, that when God's people just start getting serious about worshiping God, that things start to change. When, when we just really become convinced of our salvation, things will change. You just see it. The history of revivals, when God's people really start believing, Jill, that there's nothing that you have done or will do that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ. And Janet, there's nothing that, that you can do or will do. And Rob, there's nothing that you can do or will do. And when we understand that we've been seated in the heavenly realms with Christ, that our salvation has been secured, man, we will walk differently. And when our hearts start breaking over lost people, when we start caring about what happens to lost people who don't come home to Jesus. What happens to someone who spends their life running and rebelling from God? And when God's people get serious about God and God's mission, we actually start to look like kingdom people. And I know that, that the gap from where we want to be, like that's where I want to be. I'm not there. I know that that gap is, is big for a lot of us. But how do we, how do we move that? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear and I will forgive and I will heal the land. Why do I want this? Why do I pray for my next door neighbors? Why do I invite them to church? Why do I get excited when, when you bring someone that's not a follower of Jesus with you on a Sunday morning? Why do I want this for us? Because I know that we're made for God. And when you hear from God, you come alive. Like when, when you start praying things and, and they start happening and you start caring more about God and what God wants more than what you and what you want, you come alive. And I see so much potential and so much in front of us. But we have to choose. You know, this is a thing that Sam said to me on Thursday. We just have to choose to do it. Like, do we want to be a, a generation that lets our land keep going in the direction that it is? That lets our country, that lets our city, or do we go, man, 
We believe God has more. So today, we're going to take communion. We take a piece of bread and we take a cup of juice. And we do this because Jesus told us to. We do this to remember Jesus. And I want to invite you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if, if you are not living under his name, if you don't have his name, give your life to him. And there'll be some men and women at the back that respond, man, and we can talk to you about what that looks like. If you look at your life and you go, man, I'm not where I want to be. And God is who I actually want. Let nothing stand in your way today. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, grab communion, get with two or three other people. And I want to just invite you to have an honest time of prayer. To to bring things to God. God, here is some sin that's in my life that as I know that I, I know that's in between us. Or I don't know what's going on in my heart, but I'm not passionate about you right now. And I'm not passionate about lost people. And I don't care about them. I don't know what's going on. Would you help me? Or, or God, thank you that, that you're lighting a passion in me. And I don't know what it is that you need to pray. I don't know what's going on in your heart, but God knows. And we have a beautiful opportunity here to let people in, to share. And so I wanna invite us um, if, if you don't feel comfortable talking and praying with someone, but you need prayer, there'll be some men and women at the back that respond, man, we'd love to pray and talk with you. But I'll pray, and then we'll go and take communion. So God, thank you for this morning. I pray that if anything was said that was not from you, that didn't come from your heart, that it would just be forgotten. And God, I'm such a, a flawed human being, but you know how much I love these people. You know how much I long for them to worship, for us to worship and love you with all of our hearts. And I pray that, that, that your passion for us living in your kingdom would beat in our hearts. And I pray, God, for an awakening of us, that your people, we would get really serious about you, that you would help us, God. We need you, Jesus, that you would teach us to see people just like you do. Thank you for this morning. Meet us in our prayer time, the same way that you opened the eyes of people when they broke the bread in the scriptures. Open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear you. God, that we may press all the way into you, into your heart, into your will for our lives. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.